Welcome to episode 219 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this special episode of the podcast, we review the 2021 NRL Grand Final. We preview the UK Super League Grand Final. We farewell Peter Sterling from Channel 9 and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 219 of the Rugby League Republic podcast. We aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we've got a big one lined up. Uh, 2021 NRL Grand Final is done and dusted. Mm. We have our premieres and we also don't have a premiere uh well we have a new premiere in new south wales that's a, that's a different thing but we have great we have rugby league premieres the wow. penrith panthers well done uh yes. well done against the south sydney rabbitos um tish were you at the ground no you wouldn't have been you it's queensland but were, did you did you feel like you were there watching oh. it on the telly well, look, the atmosphere was uh, – it was awesome, actually, the atmosphere. It really did uh, feel like a grand final. It felt a little bit different to, to, to a normal grand final as well, I've got to say. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a really – it was a great spectacle. It was a spectacular spectacle. And, yeah, I definitely felt it. And, uh, you know, what I like to say is, um, you know, in the NFL, they have – if you win the NFL, you're the world champions. If you win the uh, World Series, you're the world champions. I think if you win the NRL, uh, considering um, the reigning club champions is the Roosters, you might as well say that the Penrith Panthers are the world champions of club rugby league at the moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, an absolute a- a- outstanding performance by them. And look, an absolute great game. Um, you know, were they the best team? Uh, like, well, that's arguable. And that's the great thing about this grand final is that it was a really tightly fought contest on either end. And uh, can't wait to get into it. Well, yeah. Look, I, I let, let's. Uh, I think I think some of our UK fans might disagree with the immediate default world champion status of uh, of this game. But obviously, there is another professional league over there that, that is uh, with some with some handy players as well. It's a mm. handy team as well. That teams that are going up against each other this weekend, which we'll talk about later as well. So, look, uh, it is uh, it is time for us to talk about. All things grand final, plus a bunch of other things as well. There's a lot to get to, so let's get into it. The six tackles. Here we go. Tackle number one, the NRL grand final 2021 wrap. All right. Here we are. We're going to talk about the grand final. Grand final day did not start well. Tish, what happened? <laughs> what happened to kick off? The NRL Grand Final Preamble. Well, rugby league legend. I don't know. Don't know if he's an immortal yet, but maybe soon to be immortal. Jonathan Thurston was doing the the sacred welcome to country, um, and uh, you know he was he was doing a great job. To be honest, you know he was getting quite emotional about it. But as he was about to wrap up, just before he was about to wrap up, there was an invasion <laughs> of 
the actual of the Australian national anthem that sort of cut him um, short from finishing the Welcome to Country. Uh, a really big uh, blunder, quite insensitive, I, I might add. And um, you know, it was uh, yeah, I I, uh, I didn't I didn't feel that. I do have to say, look, I do feel sorry for for Kate Miller Heidek. I think that's how you say her name. Heidke. Yeah, Heidke. I don't know. She's uh, been feeling like sort of the uh, the pressure on on what actually happened, but her anthem was fantastic. I thought she did really really well. It was just a little awkward um, with Jonathan Thurston being cut out halfway through your speech. Uh, Doctor T, did, did you see that part? Did what did you think about that? Uh, look, it was it was awkward. Uh, I mean, look, most of the time when Jonathan Thurston speaks, it's a bit awkward. But no, no, this time he he, uh, he did a great job. And look, it's a shame. It's a shame that you can't get uh, things like this right. Uh, mm. This is typical rugby league shooting themselves in the foot, trying to do something right by by uh, doing a proper welcome to country with an, an absolute legend of the game, and and somehow managing to stuff it up. And it's just a shame that. The people who organise it just need to be a little bit more relaxed with their timing, I think, mm. and not try and rush through these things. Um, look, it's a shame. And for whatever reason, look, it didn't start well, uh, the grand final, uh, you know, that, that kind of part of the, the, ga- the day. But we did see an epic grand final. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wouldn't – I'd say it's one of, the, one of the best ones that we've seen for a while just because of – the, the the way it was closely fought, uh, and and there's certainly a lot a lot of drama, uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of good football, uh, just a good tough defensive kind of effort from both teams. It ended up with the Panthers winning 14 points to 12 after leading 8-6 at half time. It was two tries apiece, and the difference was a penalty in uh, the 68th minute. Mm. To uh, uh, no, sorry, it wasn't. It was a penalty in the 32nd minute. My my apologies uh, that did it, but also uh, it was actually no, really the di- the difference was a missed conversion in the 74th minute. Yes, after Alex Johnson's try, uh, that was the real difference. Um, and you know, it just sort of makes you wonder. It really is a game of inches. And, and look, there's a lot to get through. So I'm just going to quickly roll through some of the stats and then we'll talk about some of the key moments because there, uh, there was certainly a lot to get through. But um, look, here's the key stats. So 39,000 fans attended Suncorp Stadium. Obviously, it was a reduced capacity due to some last-minute changes due to COVID restrictions. Um, we started off proceedings with a Matt Burden try in the 16th minute. Uh, to open up the scoring for the Panthers. Uh, it was closely followed by a brilliant uh, s- solo effort by Cody oh, yeah. Walker, who palmed off Nathan Cleary, eventual Clive Churchill medal winner. It was try of the game, an absolutely great try. Uh, he did it all himself. Uh, it was one of the, the, the key kind of moments of the game. Um, that ended up bringing with a conversion there to six points all. In the 32nd minute, we had a penalty goal to Nathan Cleary, which led to an 8-6 lead, which they carried into halftime. Then returning back from halftime, you know, nothing really changed except for a penalty soon after the break. In the 44th minute, Adam Reynolds converted that, uh, and it led to – it was basically 8-all up until the 66th minute when Stephen Crichton – 
moment, you know, the moment I think that turned the grand final, it was an intercept thrown by Cody Walker. Mm. Um, didn't need to throw it. Dan Gagai, there were there was two two on one. Crichton was uh, really, you know, he had Gagai and Johnson in front of him. And Cody Walker just had to pass it to Gagai, who would have been through a gap. Unfortunately, decided to do a long uh, kind of lob pass, trying to get to Alex Johnson. But Stephen Crichton, his big long arms, plucked it out of the air and he ran unopposed under the dot pretty much to score that try. Uh, the commentary, the commentators at the time said this, you know, that they, this, uh, it was a game changer or I think, I think Ray Warren or whoever said it was, they, this, um, you know, wins it for the, the Panthers. And it wasn't necessarily the case because in the 73rd minute, Alex Johnson scored a try for the Rabbitohs and Adam Reynolds failed to convert. And let me just say, he failed to convert by the slimmest of margins. It would have been mm. probably a couple of fingers <laughs> difference between uh, uh, a, a goal being scored and, mm. and just shaving the right upright there. Um, and it ended up, uh, yeah, look, with all that drama, 14-12 was a final scoreline. Now, that's I'll run through some of the other stats later, but let me just get your first impression, yeah. your overall impression, Tish. Do you think the Panthers deserve that victory? Well, look, um, they played. That look, the Panthers played fantastic. They played really well, and um, and and yeah, and everything they did, uh, they thoroughly deserved. Uh, but I did feel sorry for South. I mean, uh, they went for a two-point field goal uh, right at this 79th and 10th minute, and I know the commentary said this because it actually it fell short, but it bounced over. Um, and yeah. I was thinking, is that a two-point field goal anyway? Like, I've never seen uh, a field goal bounce ever before. So, nobody <laughs> brought that up. But, look, um, I thought that, uh, yeah, there was a lot of sort of uh, maybe a few calls that if they would have gone South Sydney's way, I mean, there were 50, 50 calls. I don't think there's any um, too many problems with the refereeing on those calls. But I just felt that they, they seemed to um, – it seemed like the Panthers uh, just kept on being on top the whole time. Um, and you know, if I would say, what what is the strength of the Panthers? It's their defense, and what is the strength of the Rabbitohs? It's their offense, right? Um, but this whole game was actually about the Panthers' offense versus the South Sydney defense. And um, South Sydney, for a team that lost by more than fifty points twice in this year, um, their defense was fantastic, but they just could not um, get the field position. Um, they weren't able to turn the game. Um, so that they're attacking and the Panthers were defending enough. Um, because really, uh, they scored two tries, um, but that, it only seemed like they had two moments in the entire game to actually score a try, and they took they took the opportunity on both of them, right? Like, um, you know, just looking back at the game, it didn't seem like the um, the Rabbitohs had too many chances, but they took those chances. And, uh, and look, to be honest with you, it's that pass. Uh, I know... Um, might haunt Cody Walker for the rest of his life type thing, but the reality is, um, if it would have stuck, uh, you could have had Alex Johnson score at the other end. Um, it was, it was a, it was, it was a near try situation, even though it was forty meters out. And then uh, Crichton showed great ability to get it. So, look, did Panthers deserve it? I think they did because they they did play fantastically well. Um, if South Sydney pulled off something right at the end and would have won. Um, 
you know, I, I think they would have been deserved winners. I think both teams really showed why they made it to the grand final. Why they both deserve to be there. <clears throat> I think ultimately the team with the better game plan ended up winning. Well, what I'd say the better execution of the game plan, um, because really, I mean, Nathan Cleary's uh, kick was fantastic, you know, and uh, you know the drama didn't stop. Um, you know, you know, at the end of the game, uh, we did see, uh, you know, a father and son embrace. A uh, ice bucket challenge and a wedding proposal. That's right. Uh, Brian Toto proposed to his <laughs> to his girlfriend. That's right. And, uh, and 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 there was a great moment there when you know uh, he she said yes. Obviously, uh, they do have a child yep. together, so you would have expected that. Yep. And uh, and then he turned around and his mates were behind him and he celebrated like he had just won the lottery. Uh, with them, and they said, "Yeah, she said yes." You know, in in a moment akin to the opposite of the Mori Povich show, yeah. where they celebrate not being the father. You know, <laughs> Brointo celebrated being the father and and getting the wedding proposal answer that he wanted. Mm. Uh, and and they went nuts. And and I feel sorry for his uh, now fiance because <laughs> she, she kind of was left stranded while he yeah. turned around and got hugged by his mates. So, but that was hilarious. But it was also a very touching moment. Oh, I've got to uh, say, 2020, uh, 2042 NRL World Final, Toho Jr., right? Uh, he, <laughs> he could be man of the match while Brian Toho is coach, you know? Um, well, wouldn't that be a, a, a turn of events <laughs> yeah, to, right. to mimic the Cleary's uh, dominance in 2021? But look, uh, yeah, look, as you said, there was uh, dramas galore and uh, it was just such a, uh, you know, look, if we're talking about the, our overall kind of impressions of the game, I have to agree with you. I think the Panthers, I felt dominated in terms mm. of possession and field position and that the stats bear that out and I'll, I'll run through that in a minute. But um, but I equally felt that they they felt like they were just hanging on and not really putting the Rabbitohs to the sword, whereas the Rabbitohs were all about taking those chances when they came up, which which kind of they did kind of convert those chances a lot better, which is why the score was a lot closer than it probably could have been if if the Panthers were their offense was a bit more. Uh, you know, more polished, I guess, but they did what they needed to do. And look, at the end of the day, it felt like a state of origin, uh, you know, in the home of state of origin, Suncorp Stadium, it was kind of uh, fitting. And uh, yeah, look, a lot of stories that didn't play out. Benji didn't get his uh, his uh, dream retirement. Wayne Bennett didn't get his, uh, um, This I think this is another grand fight. Yeah, his dream departure. Um, we, we'll talk about that later, about what the where to for the Rabbitohs as well. Um, you know, the 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 fallen also have to lick their wounds and decide what to do next. And uh, and the Panthers, uh, the victors, end up uh, taking the spoils. And uh, look, you know, we'll talk about as as well. There are a lot of things happen. Uh, Clive Churchill, medalist Nathan Cleary, the father son uh, sort of combination there. In Penrith. Now, one thing I have to say before I get into some of the detailed stats that sort of explain why we think the Panthers uh, won this game and what the the story really was, um, the ten year plan, Gus's ten year plan, has finally come to fruition. 
Was it 10 years ago? Am I mistaken? Mm. Did was this within the 10 years? I think it was a five-year plan initially, and people started poo-pooing him after five years that no premiership turned up. Uh, and I remember thinking at the time, maybe it's just gonna take 10 years. <laughs> maybe, maybe it just you need to be patient, people. Maybe wait a few more years and the Panthers will come good. Um, do you remember, Tish? Do we uh, do we know yeah. how long? Well, uh, I've got uh, an article about Gus's five-year plan in 2017. Uh, I'm not too sure if that's when he left, but if you count five years from that, you get to, what, 2012? So this is really within the 10 years, right? That's what I'm thinking. Um, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, because yeah, that, that was written then. It might be, uh, yeah, it might be... Well, it was a nine-year plan in 2019. So what's that, 2010? Uh, a nine-year, five-year plan. No, okay, so there we go. So we're up to, yeah. So I, th- I think I think we're close to the 10 years. Um, it might be a little under, it might be a little over. But uh, but there you go. I think, um, you know, if Scott Morris is looking for a climate change zero emissions target, Gus is the man to call. Well, I did, I did find an article, Tish, in 2011 is when he took over at wow. the Penrith Panthers, and he there did claim it would take half a decade to clean up the club and lift it up from the doldrums. Mm. So the article I'm reading is from 2016, where he said that it's starting to show the fruits of its labour. And so five years after that, to the day pretty much, <laughs> they've lifted up the trophy and won the premiership. So, look, it's taken 10 years. So I guess that's, uh, you know, maybe maybe some things didn't quite work out, but... Well done, Gus. Uh, you started it all, and uh, certain decisions have been uh, made along the way. And and the Panthers are now reigning premiers and well deserved as well. Look, they they were the best defensive team all year, um, best defensive team on the day as well when it counted in the grand final. The their path to the grand final after that first hiccup against the Rabbitohs in a in a tight game, I think it was sixteen ten in week one of the uh, finals ended up with them uh, defeating my Eels, then defeating the Storm, and then defeating the Rabbitohs in the grand final when it counted. And they did it pretty much from that point on, uh, super defensive efforts in three games in a row. So, you know, you can't can't get much better than that in terms of um, the pathway to the grand final and and victory. Um, And look, some of the stats tell the story of really what happened. So I'll just quickly go through, you know, it was all about possession, 53 versus 47%. Doesn't sound like much, but, um, you know, it's uh, it sort of did show that they did dominate. Completion rate, 83% versus 74 for Rabbitohs. Um, kick meter returns is where they dominated in, in one of the stats categories, 274 meters versus 160, which just goes to show that the Rabbitohs, with not having that field position, weren't really able to counter... Uh, or to support and back up uh, Reynolds and Cody Walker's kicks with uh, with any good kind of uh, defence uh, yeah. for that first receiver. And forced dropouts is the main one that people have been talking about. Uh, Nathan Cleary with the boot forced five line dropouts versus zero for the Rabbitohs. So that, those five extra sets that they got allowed them to just keep putting pressure on uh, the Rabbitohs' try line. Um, some interesting other stats, however, um, tackle breaks were in favour of the Rabbitohs, 59 versus 23, um, which which tackle breaks is the same as missed tackles, I guess. So, yeah. um, whichever well, way you look Walker at it. must be responsible for about 
you know, fifty of those, right? Because of that. <laughs> he, well, he probably he probably got a few of them in one in that one run. But look, uh, and and there were quite a few others as well. And so, and look, in terms of the individual stats, there's a few shout outs. Um, the top tacklers, uh, Coruscant and Cameron Murray, mm. tackled their hearts out 51 and 53 respectively. And the most run meters is something I think sort of tell, tells the tale a little bit. Brian Toll with 238 wow. was leading the Panthers, which is a huge number. And leading the Rabbitohs one, with a very respectable 139 was Tom Burgess. Um, you know, again, mm. you wouldn't expect that. You would have expected someone like a Damian Cook or a Alex Johnson, but no, it was actually Tom Burgess up the middle who provided really the only go forward. And I think the loss of Jay Arrow as well as, uh, you know, in terms of his HIA failure, um, really sort of uh, put pressure on the Rabbitohs uh, to, to get that momentum going forward. So, look, all in all, um, the, the Panthers, well-deserved victors. Uh, they did it the way that, you know, no surprises for this grand final. We knew there was going to be um, an epic defensive performance, and that's exactly what they showed. And look, I got to say, as a fan, uh, not necessarily a fan of either of these two teams, although I do have a bit of a soft spot for the Rabbitohs, I am absolutely uh, ecstatic at the game, uh, the mm. way it was played, the spirit in which it was played. Yeah, uh, can't really fault the referee, although I, I love to fault Jared Sutton for other games when the Eels are playing, but not this time. I can't really fault him. There weren't too many um, errors. Uh, I think they were fair with some of the judgments on six again. Um, you know, so I think, uh, you know, the, I think, and there weren't any real massive controversies. Mm. Um, there, there, there have, I have seen some controversies around the application of the HIA rules um, and and how that that was sort of done, but not necessarily in terms of favouring one team, but just more about the NRL needing to clamp down on the way it's done and the process, yep. making sure that players are protected, that kind of thing. Um, but look, overall, it was a superb grand final. Um, it was uh, well played. Uh, you got to see the best out of all the players, and I've got to say. Uh, for the Penrith Panthers, my final word is, you know, well done to that community as well. And so well done to see players of the likes of Brian Tor and uh, uh, Jerome Luai, who are, you know, I guess the, the kind of homegrown mm. uh, in a way and and local, you know, very much loved in that local community. And and afterwards, uh, you know, seeing Luai given, giving a bit of a speech to... Um, or, or sorry, being uh, interviewed by Channel Nine and just seeing the way he, uh, yeah, uh, just sort of the enthusiasm and mm. uh, that he brings to the game, the love for the people, the community, all that sort of thing. It's so refreshing to see uh, uh, the Panthers uh, bring, you know, and, and the Rabbitohs as well. I mean, they similarly they bring a lot of heart and soul to the game, and I think it was yeah. really, really great to see. Um, but Tish, I'll give you the final word because. Uh, you supported the Panthers in this game, and uh, you guys must have been ecstatic to see them them win. Uh, but what do you th- what are your final thoughts on on the game as a whole and the Penrith Panthers? You're just uh, just on what you said. Look, I think uh, I think they said 13 of the 16 players for the Panthers were were players from from the area, um, and you know they've dreamed of playing for Penrith and they've dreamed for winning a premiership for Penrith, right? So they really have that community connection. I think, um, you know, that's that's on the Gus Gould 10-year plan, right? So 
well done uh, to the whole organization, actually. It it does feel like a big community effort on their part as well to, to get it across the line. And yeah, look, for South Sydney, I mean, uh, in many ways, the fairy tale, there was so much fairy tales, you know, it was Adam Reynolds' last game for his club that he, um, you know, uh, you know, he was, he lived on a housing commission across the street from Redfern Oval where they trained, you know, um, and, and now he's leaving the club after 10 years. Um, you know, it's kind of very special for him, like, like to be in this game sort of thing. And, uh, you know, uh, coming up short, that's, you know, obviously tragic, you know, you know, with Wayne Bennett and you got with Benji, I know we'll talk more about them, but really the fairy tale was on them. Um, uh, but for the Panthers, they had something aching that lasted more than 12 months and which is, the fact that they, uh, you know, they they lost and that was a very poor performance on their part in last year's grand final, and you know they've they've managed to get all the way back in there. It looked like they were very driven, and I remember before the game, I remember before the game last year, knowing that they would lose. There was just something in me that said they didn't look ready, whereas Melbourne looked ready. Um, opposing to that this year, it looked like both teams were ready to to take it out, and uh, but I think that experience that they had and just that driving turn of they know how it feels uh, to to sort of lose one. I think it really helped them. And then, um, you know, uh, you know, we'll see what will go from here. But look, I think overall it was great game. It was great to see. Um, yeah, it was like it was a very exciting moment to see. You know, obviously, uh, you know, my wife she loves the Panthers, and uh, even though she's frustrated by their defense orientated approach, you know, she'd want to see a bit more attacking. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, them to attack a bit more. But just being really proud of all of the Panthers and proud of their whole culture and everything like this. And um, I don't know. Look, I mean, I don't really find this as a West Tigers supporter, but um, you know, my wife she finds people on the street that go for the Panthers and they sit and they have a conversation. You know, I don't really do that with West Tigers fans. I've got to say, so there seems to be a connection with with the Panthers brigade, which is is pretty special. So um, well done to them and look, a great grand final and. Uh, you know, I suppose that it was twelve years. Well, twelve, 12 months in the making, but 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 ten years in the making. If you think about it, with the with the ten year plan. Absolutely, well done to the entire organization, bringing the community back to the NRL, which is uh, really awesome for the Panthers. Look, and let's move on to tackle number two, the Clive Churchill Medal. Here we go. Right, tackle number two, the Clive Churchill medalist. Well, we've already let the cat out of the bag. It's uh, Nathan Cleary for best on ground in the uh, grand final decider. Tish, um, Nathan Cleary, uh, what are your thoughts on on him being voted uh, best on ground? Uh, let's not forget. Look, look, we if. The case for Nathan Cleary is obviously uh, his kicking performance dominated. Mm. Uh, the the Rabbitohs really didn't give him a chance to get out of uh, the the field, poor field position that they were constantly kind of up against, um, and, and also the fact that he made the right choices on five occasions to get the ball back as forced dropout. So uh, I think that's good. But on the negative side, uh, his missed tackle uh, led to the Cody Walker try. Uh, he's uh, he was fended off very very readily. Didn't uh, put a, put in a poor effort really, and that's what led to the try. Um, but having said that, uh, you know who else would you have given it to? So, Tish, look, I'm pretty happy with Nathan Cleary. I think as a co-captain, 
it is a lot about the inspirational performance, definitely compared to last year, and also knowing that he definitely had a proactive role uh, in this compared to uh, last year. Uh, I'm pretty happy, but you could have equally had given this to a few other players, and that's what that's what happens when when these types of games occur. That you could easily share the best best performer uh, award uh, or Clive Churchill Medal, as it's known. Uh, you know, amongst a few different players. So, Tish, what are your thoughts? Do you think Nathan Cleary deserved it? Yeah, well, look, I think Nathan Cleary was a deserved winner. He did play fantastic. And, you know, his kicking game, uh, you know, the pressure, well, it was perfect throughout the whole game, right? He kind of uh, got them into the right positions at the right time. And, you know, a lot of it led to um, some, you know, you know, sort of repeat sets, the four sets. Um, also, how many times did, um, you know, uh, the Rabbitohs start their set um, in their own 20-metre zone and, and, you know, and then uh, it allowed the Panthers to then sort of sprint up in the first two tackles and really take dominance over the set. And really, you know, the Rabbitohs looked, uh, they looked very pedestrian coming out of out of, out of of their own try line. And, and I think, you know, setting all that up, I, I think Nathan Cleary had, had that. Um, and yeah, he looked, he kicked the penalty goal and so forth. He did run a lot. I think he had over a hundred meters sort of, uh, running as well. So, you know, he, he was providing different options. Um, you know, uh, so, so I think Clive Churchill medalist, I think, I think he could definitely say that he's a deserved winner. I think, I think he, he did contribute quite a lot. Um, now not to be outdone, his house partner in Jerome Luai, um, you know, he has one try assist, one line break assist. Um, and he also had a very crucial kick uh, in the game as well, where um, you know they were able to kick it. And I think I don't think it was Johnson; it might have been the other um, winger. Um, which uh, yeah, which uh, anyway, when he caught it, they were able to tackle him to the outside straight away. Um, so so being able to oh yeah, then... ja- uh, not Jackson, no no Who Jackson was it? Uh, Powell, oh, yeah. Paulo? Paulo Jackson, no. Jackson Paulo, something like that. Jackson Paulo, yeah. Yeah, Jackson Paulo, yeah. So so that was a really cr- – and that was actually a Jerome Loy kick, you know. So he was adding that variety and that extra sort of uh, flair to the game as well, which I think really contributed quite well. And, you know, like so, – so, so so there's that. I think also some of the forwards, um, you know, let's – like, you know, with – you know, with, with the sort of um, – you know, somebody like a James, um, you know, uh, Fisher Harris or uh, you know Isaiah Yo, all running over 100 meters, you know, sort of you know making quite a number of tackles in the middle as well. I, you know, it's kind of you know it was very good to see them um, sort of, sort of uh, you know I think it was a, a big team effort, right? So so everybody sort of played their part well, so it was well orchestrated by them. Um, I, and I think also because Cleary kind of fits the uh, he kind of fits the um, <laughs> The whole uh, the whole narrative of the game uh, game as well, right? You know where they've um, you know where you sort of you know the father and son, the co-captain, uh, the redemption story, the shoulder injury. There's quite quite a lot of uh, I suppose uh, other sort of plays, but you know uh, think about this like you know as I you know 36 tackles over 100 meters, you know in the game, uh, you know quite an amazing effort as well. Like you know um, I think even even like a guy like Kickers. Oh, no, he didn't have the run meters. But, yeah, you had several of the forwards also setting it up. So, um, yeah, great on their part. I don't think any of the Rabbitohs – if the Rabbitohs had won, that would have been interesting too, who would have got it. Um, 
probably a guy like Cody Walker with his phenomenal try, right? And um, if they would have stuck to that pass, that pass would have also got them across the line too. So, so, so there's an argument for Cody Walker in a way as well. I mean, the two Rabbitohs tries, he was the uh, he was like you know instrumental in both. Well, he scored one, and he he was set up the other one, and and. To be honest, he set up one of the Panthers' tries as well. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that's he's responsible for the most number of points and assists <laughs> in uh, in the game. Uh, you know, but yeah, no, you're right. So the you're man right. of the uh, match, both positively and negatively, it's Cody Walker. It's the Cody Walker show. So, um, although how insulting insulting would it have been to give him the man of the match <laughs> when he knew that he threw that intercept pass? But anyway. Look, yeah, I, I would agree. I think I'm, I'm okay with Cleary winning. It wasn't like uh, there certainly have been other grand finals when, uh, when, when we've uh, disagreed with the decision mm. for the Clive Churchill medalist. I, I can't really begrudge Nathan Cleary this one. I think he deserved mm. it. And it's also recognition of the season he's had. Uh, he has, you know, been uh, grown into the role of the best halfback in Australia. Uh, proved it in State of Origin. Proved it in Grand Final. Uh, there's no question now that Nathan Cleary is the number one halfback, you know, probably in the world at the moment. Um, I think it's totally Cleary, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I can see Cleary now. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That's right. Whatever. Um, Look, but yeah, well done. Uh, Let's move on to the next tackle because we are now going to talk about South Sydney. Where to from here? Here we go. Right, tackle number three, South Sydney, where to from here? Look, as we said, uh, several fairy tales didn't eventuate for the Rabbitohs. Uh, Wayne Bennett is going. Uh, Dane Gagai is leaving back for Newcastle. Adam Reynolds is going back to Brisbane, or going to Brisbane. Uh, you know, I'm not sure whether Benji has officially retired or whether he'll go around another season. So there's been quite a lot of changes that are going to happen in the Rabbitohs lineup. I'm not sure if I'm missing any, Mm. but those are the key ones. Um, But Tish, it looks like with the assistant staff, uh, coaching staff at the Rabbitohs, uh, with none other than uh, uh, Jason, uh, sorry, what's his name? (laughs) Is it Jason? Andrew Andrew, No, not Andrew. (laughs) Isn't that the, I forget his surname, his name. It must be Jason, right? Uh, Demetrio. He, uh, you know, being the uh, the co co coach or assistant coach to Wayne Bennett, uh, you know, clearly, um, you know, clearly he's been earmarked for uh, for the the top job. Nothing's been confirmed yet, though. <laughs> so I just thought I'd sort of make it very clear that nothing has been confirmed, but. Uh, the rumours are that Jason Dimitri is uh, going to be the coach next year for the Rabbitohs. Um, you know, so I, I, I just sort of wonder whether, um, yeah, look, at what does that mean? I mean, he's um, he's going to take charge after on November 1, but whether that's going to be a long-term thing, I'm not really sure. Um, but, yeah, with Reynolds gone, Wayne Bennett gone, Question marks over Benji's future. Uh, Dane Gagai gone. Uh, the Rabbitohs, uh, I think it's fair to say, they're, they're kind of being decimated and they're, they're going to need to go through a period of rebuilding. Tish, 
what are your thoughts on the Rabbitohs? Obviously, this is a big dent to not go out winners this year. Are they going to struggle next year? Yeah, well, great question. You know, it is it is difficult to see. Like, um, you know, they talk about the championship windows and, uh, and you know, and then obviously the Panthers, you know, they don't uh, – if, if I look at both teams, what's going to happen next year, Panthers still have their spine. And uh, actually, they have what I call the extended spine because I, I actually like to put the lock forward in there as well. Um, you know, they have – as I you – know, they have – uh, Coruscant, they have, you know, Luai, Cleary, and they have the other fellow at fullback, uh, you know. Um, whereas with South Sydney, they, they lose their number one, um, you know, key man in Adam Reynolds and, uh, you know, 10-year veteran sort of sort of thing. Breaks up the combination that he has with Cody Walker. Interesting enough, negotiations for Cody Walker's contract uh, are supposed to take effect as of this week. Uh, now, Blake Sully of the CEO has revealed that he wants to keep Cody Walker for as long as Cody wants to keep playing, right? Which is an interesting move considering that they got rid of Walker because he was asking for for, for too many years, <laughs> right? So Re- Reynolds, you mean? Yeah, Reynolds. Yeah, they asked him. Reynolds, was, uh, and then, so they asked him. You know, you know I think he wanted three. Well, he wanted two, but uh, he wanted three, but they would only give him two. So he went to a place that gave him four, something like that. Um, whereas with Cody Walker, they want to sign him up for a long term deal. For as long as he keeps playing, even though he's older than Reynolds, kind of a bit interesting in that sort of scenario. Um, mm. But yeah, look with Benji, uh, I think Benji's going to play on. Um, I just think he will. Um, obviously, losing Bennett, I know. Uh, you know, Bennett is not the coach of South City next year. That's that's been. Um, you know, his contract does expire. He he won't be there. Either he's taking a professional year off, a gap year for for Wayne. Um, not sure. And then and then and then a lot of people speculate that he might be coaching. A Queensland team, the the next Queensland team uh, in 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 2023. So so yeah, so Demetrio looks like he's going to be the coach. I think once he once that is made official, that will happen. So they've got a new coach. They're going to have to find a new halfback. Um, yeah, potentially, obviously, they'll have to get somebody from the juniors and so forth. Um, but there is one thing that I think everybody forgot about or or didn't really have the back of their mind is that. The Rabbitohs went into the grand final with one player short. And I think if you added this particular player into the grand final mix of 2021, uh, I actually don't see how the Rabbitohs could have lost that game um, because, you know, they were clearly missing this player and what this player brings. And if this player, he's he's contracted for South Sydney, I think moving forward, I think he's going to play South, he's going to play for South Sydney for the, for the rest of his career. And that's Latrell Mitchell. Right, so despite everybody they lose, the fact that they've got Latrell Mitchell in the team, that X factor, that fullback, um, they did miss him. I I feel like Latrell is the kind of player that could, um, you know, if the momentum is going the Panthers' way, Latrell's got that ability to to have that special run or make that special play to to sort of reverse your fortunes. And the fact that he's at fullback, he's touching the ball, um, you know, as one of the top you know, uh, t- top plays in the entire game, touching the ball, uh, which, you know, every time he touches the ball, anything could happen. Uh, so I think any team that's got Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker uh, in the team is going to have some sort of attack that's going to be quite well. Um, and then you've got the other, you also got Damien, uh, you know, Damien Cook as well, a threat, um, definitely an attack. 
and then obviously Benji Marshall coming coming off the bench. Um, so a half you put a halfback in, a young halfback in, very well protected with the players around him. That's what I think. And then on top of all of that, um, you know, if, if for whatever reason, you know, you, you get it like a like a player like uh, uh, you know like Kyle Flanagan, who hasn't really performed even at the Bulldogs and wasn't there at the Roosters, but he's just a young player, got a good kicking game, um, and and sort of you know he's willing to learn. I think that's all they really need um, because a player like that, even if his kicking game is off or his game is off, you've always got Benji to bring him on. And Benji's got a really good organizing game as well now, you know, as he's sort of, you know, the later half of his career, what's been the standout is his ability to more sort of assess the situation and control the game, which if, which if anything, I kind of felt that, that if he would have had a bit more authority at the grand final as well to sort of, grab the ball and try and kick a, a you know a 40 20 or a 20 40 to try and change I mean that's the type of play that Benji Marshall will pull off right um mm. I, I think I think that's what they were kind of missing and I kind of feel that hey if Latrell was playing uh and you know I, I think they yes Adam Reynolds is a big loss but I don't I, I don't think we could rule them out just yet just because you know they were missing uh, Latrell Mitchell, and I think I think um, you know uh, the fact that they've got so much experience in that side. I think a young halfback coming in, um, you know, uh, I think he's surrounded by greatness a little bit, and uh, and yeah. So I suppose the big the big is will will Demetrio turn into another Seafold <laughs> or, or, or something like that, you know? And uh, and, and no offense, Anthony Seafold. I think a, a few players, the post Wayne Bennett. Uh, teams uh have had a bit of a hangover right um so so and, and obviously you know uh seabold is the late, latest but you've also got other people like as well like uh, i mean obviously um you know when he left the dragons um you know that they've had a, a bit of a, a downturn as well and then um you know leaving newcastle they had to do a complete rebuild and uh we had ivan henjack and we've had a few others that have tried for brisbane as well when, when bennett wasn't there so so the so 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 if Demetrio can 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 you know which which I think from all reports he's been absolutely fantastic as the understudy. Um, there is a, a slip up where he wasn't called assistant coach but he's called co coach by Wayne Bennett, and I think Sastin are sort of pointing to that saying, look, you know that's how much Wayne respects him. But you know Wayne, he might have had a you know a, a brain freeze for a while there as well, right? It might have. Not necessarily been what he was trying to say. So, yeah, I think I, th- I think a lot of people writing him off for next year, but I, I don't think he can. I, I think their lineup is still phenomenal, and I, and I and I actually really think that they will learn a lot from this year. And and if they could get the band back together for one more season, um, maybe maybe next year is their year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the the Panthers needed that loss to fire them up, and and maybe yeah. the Rabbitohs will need the same. Uh, Absolutely, and and especially players like Cody Walker who haven't tasted success uh, at this level. I believe yeah. he hasn't, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Not he wasn't there he in 2014. So you know they yeah. they're going to be hungrier than ever. And, and and let's not forget that with Reynolds leaving, the only two players that would have tasted success in 2014 are Alex Johnson and Sam Burgess. Uh, yeah. Sorry, um, uh, Tom Burgess. Yeah. And so. 
and really Tom Burgess sort of, you know, the, the stats that I talked about earlier showed that he uh, he was not phased by the occasion at all. In fact, he lifted the team as much as he could. Um, he just needed a, a twin brother out there to help right. a clone or a twin to help uh, yeah. to help lift them even further. But look, um, and a few let's years ago, on. you got to oh, remember, sorry. a few years ago, the Panthers lost James Maloney, who was a definite match winner too, and who replaced him, Jerome Luai, a young guy that needed an opportunity. And two years later, they've they've won the premiership. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, if 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 Penrith can do it, then I think South Sydney have got the, the team to do it as well. And in what is probably one of the greatest unintended segues that you've ever given me, Tish. James Maloney is going to be featuring in this next match. We're going to talk about the UK Super League Grand Final. We're going to do a very brief preview. Here we go. Tackle number four. All right. So Catalan's Dragons, led by James Maloney, will feature in their first ever UK Super League Grand Final uh, up against two-time winners, uh, two in a row, uh, going for their three-peat St. Helens on Saturday the 9th of October over there in the UK. Uh, like I said, it, Catalan's first ever grand final appearance. Um, they've, they got there last week by flogging Hull Kingston Rovers 28-10 to 10 at home, and St. Helens got there by flogging Leeds 36-8 to 8 at home. Uh, the last time these two teams met was about a month ago when they played that epic uh, 31 to 30 victory for Catalans uh, after being down, I think it was 30 to 12 or something at um, with about five minutes to go in that game. Uh, remember we spoke about this, the, the greatest of all comebacks, Cassiano, Catching the ball on the full from a from a from a, a bomb uh, to to take the game into uh, extra time and and James Maloney sealing the deal with a uh, an epic field goal as well uh, to win it in Golden Point thirty one to thirty and and look again this is the James Maloney that we know here in Australia a winner uh, nothing particularly. You know about his game that that is is going to get many you know him much airtime on the highlights reels of rugby league, but he does the job when required. He's a clutch player. Um, you know he gets the field goal when required, even if for the rest of the game he uh, missed twenty tackles and <laughs> didn't really do much else. He will get the job done. He's just he brings a winning attitude um, and Tish. Even though the odds point to St. Helens winning this game, I still think that uh, the Catalans Dragons have got enough firepower in them uh, and the James Maloney factor, I think, is going to be the difference. And I think Catalans will win their first ever UK Super League premiership after having won the minor premiership uh, or what they call the League Leaders' Shield um, about a month or so ago in early September. Tish. Uh, what are your thoughts on on this game? Who's going to win it? Is James Maloney going to be the difference? And and also, what is this going to mean for French rugby league? Well, uh, you know, it is going to be huge for French rugby league. Their first grand finale 
um, you know, for the Catalan Dragons. And, you know, I've got to say, uh, you know, St. George Dragons supporters, you've got the Dragons versus the Saints, right? It's, uh, it's, it's, oh, wow. it, you know, it's, it, it's quite unbelievable. It's a win-win. <laughs> it, it's a, yeah, it's a win-win on, on both accounts sort of thing. Um, but look, I think it's going to be, look, it's great for them and, and, and look, to be to be honest, I think it's great that they're also playing a team like St. Helens who have been so successful over the years, who've had so much recent success as well. And, um, you know, the, the, the fact that they've actually, um, you know, the fact that 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 they've they've gone on like that. I believe they were minor premiers, I think you were saying, right? So um, Yeah, league leaders, they call league, them. Yeah, league leaders, premiers. yes. So, so I think that's really fantastic that they've been able to um, to have their first season as, as league leaders as well. So, you know, so to, to take on, uh, yeah, to either take the big game, you know, the big names like St. Helens or we're going to one of those, um, you know, sort of sort of uh, big teams is great. And the fact that they're playing, um, yeah, the fact that they're playing uh, St. Helens, um, who were actually, they were champions last year, uh, St. Helens. So, well, for two years in a row. So they're, they're going for row. their third in a row. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um uh, so yeah, so I think it's going to be great. Now it's going to be a tough challenge for them because they are taking on the team that um, you know knows how to win the big one, and uh, obviously for the Dragons to win the big one, would it be the first ever French team to win the Super League? I- I'm guessing so. Um, yeah, well they're the only French team to make a grand final, so they will be the first ever. Yeah, so it's going to be huge if they do win it, um, mm. having won the League Leader Shield as well. In, so in, in the era of border closures and, uh, you know, uh, you know, the exit of, of Great Britain from uh, the Euro and, uh, oh. <laughs> you know, we've got a French team invading uh, England there. So, so well wow. done. The, the, the geopolitical nature of, of of this game is oh wow this has really raised the stakes mm. absolutely we could be talking you know the 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 shifting of the geopolitical landscape depending on whether James Maloney can get that field goal um, on on the day yeah. on Saturday so well yeah look it's it's going to be epic look in all seriousness epic for rugby league in rug in uh, in France um, they really need a shot in the arm here and. Mm. Uh, you know, especially after what's happened with Toronto, you know, the COVID kind of forcing them back home. And uh, and I think there's, there is a sentiment, and correct me if I'm wrong, those of you who are listening from the UK, there is definitely a sentiment, uh, an undercurrent of uh, anti-expansionism that's kind of stifling the growth of the game over there. Uh, a lot of people are frustrated with, some kind of myopic kind of blinkered thinking around uh, expansion. Some people are not very happy at all that, that a French team is in it, um, let alone uh, wanting to expand it further to the cross-Atlantic, transatlantic teams like Wolf, the Toronto Wolfpack. Um, but this victory, I believe, from uh, that, that the Dragons will, will have over St. Helens is going to be the turning point. I mean, especially in the year when we were meant to have our best ever successful, most successful uh, rugby league World Cup, and has been postponed because of the myopic thinking of NRL, Australian and New Zealand rugby league over here. I think this is, it's really going to add a bit of poetry to the situation and irony that the French team will have its first victory this year. And I and I think 
uh, that's I believe is going to be the fairy tale that the Rabbitohs didn't get, <laughs> the Catalans Dragons will get. Uh, Tish, what are your final thoughts uh, on on whether you think St Helens or Catalans Dragons will win this one? Yeah, look, I think any team that um, has James Maloney, um, you know, um, you know, doing his thing, will I will either win or lose. <laughs> right, because so, I feel like St Helens two in a row, pretty solid when it comes to winning the big game. So I think, unfortunately, they've had a great season for Dragons, but I feel like the that Helens, um, you know, like like uh, COVID lockdowns will ruin the party uh, once again in twenty twenty one. That's that's how I'm feeling <laughs> about everything that does. So we almost lost a grand final because of COVID. So um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So so look, but look, it's going to be great if you could. Uh, Make sure you go out and watch it. I think it's going to be Old Trafford. It's going to be a, a fantastic atmosphere out there, and yeah, to see to see the uh, Super League. It had a, it had a really rough season with a few stops and starts, a couple of situations here and there, but they finally got to the grand final. So well done, and and um, you know, um, and and let's see how they go. Uh, and and yeah, hopefully, um, you know, uh, a team that was uh, you know the St Helens, a team that was founded in 1873. Um, yeah, to win another premiership, I think that'd be fantastic. And uh, if the Dragons pull it off, that will be amazing for rugby league as well. So, um, so, so look, really looking forward to this one. All right, now normally we do the tips last, but for this time, I'm going to flip it a bit. So let's just jump into tackle number five. We're going to give our tips for the grand final, the Super League grand final. But before we do, um, look, last week you got all three games correct. I got only one which brings my total to 132 and yours to 128. Quick tip for the Super League Grand Final, Catalans, St. Helens. I'm tipping Catalans. I'm tipping St. Helens. Well, there you go. Um, Look, and our final tackle, uh, let's jump into tackle number six where we farewell Peter Sterling from his uh, Channel 9 media job. Here we go, tackle number six. Look, Peter Sterling, one of my favourite players from the Eels in the 1980s, you know, very much an underrated player. I think if he were playing nowadays, he'd be talked about almost as an immortal. Uh, in, that's how dominant he was uh, as a halfback for Australia, New South Wales and, and Parramatta. Um, he His 30 years on Australian television as a media uh, commentator, rugby league commentator, a personality as well, uh, you know, as part of what what the footy show um, uh, on Channel 9, uh, an irreverent uh, kind of uh, comedic kind of take on rugby league. For those of you who don't know, he has become an icon of rugby league alongside Paul Vorden. And, and we saw after the grand final uh, on the weekend a, a very poignant little um, – tribute uh, from Paul Vorden uh, primarily with a lot of excellent uh, kind of memorable scenes uh, of, of uh, Peter Sterling in, uh, in very funny situations in in the footy show, someone who, who uh, you know, could laugh at himself, didn't take himself too seriously and really endeared himself to a bunch of 
uh, a new generation of fans, really, who d- had no idea how great he was as a player um, and only knew him through his commentary uh, and his uh, his footy show antics. I would have to say that in support of some of uh, Paul Vorden's, uh, Fatty Vorden's uh, comments and tribute to Peter Sterling, his, his lifelong mate, uh, you know, I'd have to say that I, I, in support of that, that this this was basically a, uh, uh, you know, not just a, a former player who wasn't able to articulate words, put mm. a string a sentence together. This is someone who actually had a and has still an, an immense football brain, just really understands, analyzes the game so well. He was, look, on occasion, yes, you do see when the Eels are playing, that his bias does come through, his love for Parramatta. He really wants them to succeed. But overall, I'd have to say he has been one of the most, the, the fairest, most accurate analysts. You know, anytime he speaks, I don't think I've ever remembered one occasion when I've heard him give an opinion about what, what's going to happen in a game or a tip or an analysis of what has happened in a game, never once I believe or, or that I remember have I listened to him and thought, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about or he's wrong. Almost every time he gives you a very convincing, rational, mm. impassioned analysis, uh, passion, uh, what, what's the right word? Um, impassion's not the right word, but a, a rational kind of analysis of uh of the situation, it makes you sort of realise hey, this guy knows what he's talking about, and and he's fair, unbiased, uh, doesn't let his blue and, and gold eyes colour his uh, judgment of the game. He's going to be really missed, um, you know. Mm. And and uh, I've got a final comment to say. I'll, I'll leave it to later, but I want your thoughts on uh, on I guess uh, you know Peter Sterling as a commentator. Uh, not necessarily as a player, but as a commentator. What were your thoughts on him? Uh, do you agree with Paul Vorden's analysis and uh, and tribute? And uh, and then I'll uh, I'll wrap up with uh, some final thoughts or an observation of my own. But I'll hand over to you, Tish. Well, I think um, if I think about who has taught me the most about rugby league, um, I think Peter Stirling would be up there, even though I've never met him. You know, um, but you know, uh, like. I think he brings certain things, a certain. And look, I don't really remember too much commentary before Peter Sterling, um, but you th- if you think about uh, the way he analyzes the game. So, for example, you know, we talk about okay, the importance of a field goal. Okay, what does this one point mean? Well, it means that they're two points, yeah, two tries clear or three tries clear, and everything like this. I kind of remember Peter Sterling being the first one to do that, right? Also, the um, you know, you know, he sort of was the architect when it came to um being able to analyze a play and where each player stands on the field and who you're trying to draw in and, and, and that type of analysis after tries being scored. Um, you know, they, you know, he talks about the tactics. I remember uh, one of the things you kind of think of as a play, uh, as a, as just a, a fan or a young kid playing is you think, okay, you know, well, um, I want to have the ball when I kick off. And he used to talk about how um, actually you want to get defense. You actually want to be able to defend the first set first. Um, because you really want to get into your, um, you know, rhythm as a defensive type thing. You know, when when teams need to to start moving the ball and when they don't, and and all the tactical and strategical things in the whole game, um, I think Peter Sterling was a master of that, right? And just to also being under, uh, to able to understand um, the coaching, the the man, 
the the man player aspect of it. I think it was fine. You know, the other thing about Peter Sterling is that yes, he had views. I don't really. I mean, I, you know, maybe as a Parramatta supporter, you might sort of notice or be more aware of his Parramatta bias. I I kind of don't see it uh, that much. I don't see him doing it. If anything. So I kind of look at his peers that are around him sometimes, and um, you know, during the grand final, there was a um, there was a five minute um, there was a five minute spiel where all the commentators were calling the referee stupid, right? And they were trying to get the word stupid in as many times as possible. And <laughs> I remember that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the truth is, um, you know, they weren't going off the referee because the referee got the decision right. They were going off the NRL for that being a stupid rule, but. You know, it's kind of rule that's been in there. I, I don't remember Peter Sterling being in that sort of vein, you know? If you if you disagreed with something, he'd tell you, okay, I don't think that's a, a fair decision or that's a that's a bit of a harsh penalty. Like, he, But he's not going to derail your enjoyment of the game or distract from the players doing their thing by, you know, all of a sudden having some sort of... Um, gross dislikement to something that the referee had done, you know? And a rant about something that's not really yeah. helpful to the, the to the experience of watching the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And look, he, he was part of a great team. He was part of a great era. Um, but he's not talking about Keith Barnes kicking six goals at Leichhardt Oval in the 1930s, right? Uh, you know, oh, this guy reminds me of Keith Barnes in like... He's not talking about, oh, this player reminds me of Eric Groth running the... You know, he doesn't bring up stuff like that either. You know, he just, he makes the modern players of the game, the superstars. And, you know, I think, I think that's what I like about Peter Sterling. I think the 60 seconds of Sterling was my favorite part of the footy show. I think the footy show itself was a pioneering show that Mm. saw, you know, a lot of what we, you know, the off field stuff we see in the media these days. You know, that started with the footy show. And if anything, mm. it, it's a pioneer to the, you know, the seven-day-a-week rugby league cycle that we're on. Um, you know, um, you really saw that, hey, these aren't just players, but they're amazing characters. And, and the fact that yeah. really what they yeah. do is something abnormal. So you kind of have to be a bit, a bit abnormal to play it, right, a little bit as well. Um, <laughs> I think he kind of <laughs> brings all that in. And, uh, and obviously, like... You know, you know, and I think he was a good balance to Fatty Vaughton because I think Fatty Vaughton was more yeah. of the he was more of the color commentator. He was more of the, you know, uh, Queensland all the way, and let's bring a bit of humor and and, and sort of, um, you know, um, you know, not really the uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And whereas Peter bought the he bought the legitimacy, you know, he bought the, uh, you know, his his style actually. Um, so shows just the strategy of the game, which I think is very important to showcase because, um, because people because that gets overlooked because of its it, of, of rugby league's fast nature, because of its very brutal nature. We overlook the psychology and the tactics and the strategy, absolutely. Game, which yeah, I think spot Peter on, mate. Was the big one. So that's yeah. that's why Simon Peter Sterling, and I think we'll miss you. And I think he's to be honest, I don't think he's replaceable. Uh, the only person I could see close to that is actually Cooper Cronk. Um, in the Fox Sports commentary position, but he's, you know, this is the other thing that's happened with the Peter, Peter Sterling role. It's been sidelined to the halftime analysis. Um, you know, you don't get in-game analysis anymore. You get in-game ranting and colour. Yeah, and that's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Andrew Johns. Andrew Johns has pretty good insight as well, right? But yeah, look, I'd say yeah. that, yeah, but that's my thoughts. And yeah, we'll definitely miss it. I think um, Rugby League is poorer for 
him not being there, but you know, good on him. He's had a great, a great career in 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 broadcasting, and uh, you know, um, you know, let's uh, yeah, best best luck with whatever he's doing. But your thoughts there, Doctor T? Oh yeah, look, I just wanted to take up what you said. Just a final thought from me that one observation that I had was uh, thinking about where to next for him and. Uh, you know, the sort of skills that he had. Look, what, what have we noticed recently? We've noticed that we've seen Phil Gould, uh, you know, some of the media commentators have other skills that have been exploited elsewhere. So we've seen, you know, Billy Slater is now Queensland coach. Freddie Fittler, Brad Fittler, successful New South Wales coach. Paul Vorden has done it as well. Uh, Phil Gould with his 10-year plan, 5- to 10-year plan, is now going to try the same thing with the Bulldogs uh, that he just succeeded, uh, you know, in a long-term uh, rebuilding the Panthers club. Um, Peter Sterling, for so long, people have been saying he should be coach of <laughs> Parramatta or, or you know, that kind of thing. I think, I think there's something to be said about the way that some of the commentators in Channel, in Channel 9 are... Um, you know, over the years have, I don't know if their skills have been utilised to their fullest. And I wonder, I'm sort of thinking that given those observations of the other players, whether, or former players, I mean, whether um, Peter Sterling should not think about having a similar kind of uh, head of football kind of uh, advisory role to the Parramatta Eels, someone who can have that oversight and and an impassionate mm. analysis of what needs to be done at Parramatta. But um, look, my final words, uh, you know, well done, uh, Sterlo. You've, you've, you are going to be missed because uh, someone of your calibre and integrity um, doesn't come around very often in, in the world, let alone in the game of rugby league. And uh, we will definitely miss having his intelligent voice being heard. But on that note, let's wrap up this epic, epic grand final edition of, uh, of the podcast and uh tish first of all thank you very much we're going to continue a couple more this year but thanks for uh thanks for this epic episode uh certainly enjoyed reliving the nrl grand final uh and next week we'll talk about the super league grand final but tish over to you to wrap this one up well thank you dr t and look that's all for this edition of the regular league republic season 2021 it's over but more to come from our show um but that's all for this episode of rugby league republic Bye for now.